1: Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined as always by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. Uh, I just want to peel back the curtain a little bit on this episode. (laughs) I was doing a setup. I was about to kick it to Paul. This is the second time we've we've started this show. And the first time I I said something about not looking like idiots because we had actually done some research and prep. (laughs) And then Paul moved his microphone and the entire thing crumbled, like as I said that. (laughs) <laughs> um, so this is our second attempt, Paul, hopefully this goes better and hopefully you don't make us look like idiots again.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, really it was just making me look like an idiot, but you couldn't like just keep things smooth and rolling while I figured out my microphone situation. You had to make a big deal out of it. And that led us to having to re-record the beginning of the episode. Um, but you know what? It's fine now. My microphone's working again. My headphones are working again and we can, Find new ways to make ourselves look like idiots, <laughs> and, and the usual way, which is yes. talking about Just the thing that works, and not we're, with our not with our hardware experts about, and we'll we'll go ahead and you know put that on display for everyone to see that you know how um,
1: that is correct,
2: yeah, how stupid so, we are.
1: So today we are going to be stupid about major league soccer.
2: You know, it's been a very strange
1: off season, I would say in MLS, mostly because it's been so dominated by other things that are happening around the soccer world. We had MLS cup back in November, an all time match between LAFC and Philadelphia. And then, you know, I think you and I, Paul, we left seven days later for cutter to go to the world's cup. And obviously that was, you know, that was the big event. We returned from that. It's the holidays. And then Gio Reyna and Greg Berhalter. And that happens. And so kind of we've we've gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle with MLS, but the season starts here in nine days, My February God. 25th, which is, is crazy, uh, kind of snuck up on us here. So we're going to do a full preview show next week, you know, kind of our annual tradition of, of looking like idiots. That's that's how I made that initial transition there um, with with our terrible predictions and picks. Uh, but this week, we're going to look back a little bit at the offseason. And we're each going to highlight a few things that really stood out to us as important or impactful for 2023 and beyond. So, Paul, I'll, I'll let you start off.
2: We each have three things here.
1: Um, where,
2: are we, where, where are we beginning? Lead us off. Well, I'm going to start off with a move that I think will have the biggest long-term effect uh, on any team. And that's Garth Lagerway going to Atlanta United. Um, Atlanta United came into this league getting everything right. I mean, they nailed, I mean, absolutely nailed two DP signings off the bat, Miguel Amiron and Joseph Martinez. They were a fun, exciting team to watch. They had incredibly full stadiums that were loud. The team was a blast. They nailed their coaching hire, Tata Martino, and they won MLS Cup in their second year. It's been a bit of a tailspin since then. They've just not been good at a lot of different things. They've gotten signings wrong. They have not been great on the field. They've gotten coaching hires wrong, and they're looking to fix it. They're looking to pull out of that tailspin, and I think they did the best thing that they could do. They went and hired the most successful general manager in MLS history. I mean, Garth Lagerway. you know, we we a lot of people talked about the Seattle Sounders not making the MLS playoffs for the first time in their existence. That was also the first time that a Garth Lagerway led team did not make the MLS Cup playoffs. He started as the GM of real salt Lake in for the 2008 season. He was hired at the end of 2007. So 2008 was his first season in charge. He made the playoffs for 15 years or 14 to 15 years. And and last year, obviously they didn't make Seattle didn't make the playoffs, but they did win conquer cap champions league. Um, so this, this is a, a winner is what he is. I mean, if you go through that from 08 through 22, I mean, it's, Western Conference Final, MLS Cup Champ, Playoffs, 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 MLS Cup Finals, Playoffs, Playoffs, Cup Champs, Cup Runner-Ups, Playoffs, Cup Champs, Cup Runner-Ups, Playoffs. Pretty good. Pretty good. I think that um, Garth Lagerway is going to turn things around in Atlanta. Do I think that it's going to happen this year? TBD, I think it's less of a chance for him to do it this year. He came into a situation. They have a general manager. He's not the GM. This is, this is his first time as a president. Carlos Bocanegra is still there as a GM. They have a lot of work to do on that roster. They've been doing a lot of work. They've been selling and moving pieces. Um, added a couple pieces as well. I don't know that it's going to be something that gets turned around quickly. But I think for the long term, hiring Garth Lagerway to essentially overhaul your organization, and especially on the sporting side was the best thing you could do to put it in a place to be a consistent winner, which is what he has been for his entire career. So that to me was, like I said, again, from a long-term perspective, the best move that happened this offseason for any team in MLS.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we're we're in the process of doing our second annual GM survey, Paul. And that's one of the questions that we've been asking what what do you think was the best move this this winter for mls and that's been a pretty common response i think for all of the reasons that you laid out there i'm very interested to see what loggerway does with the resources on hand in atlanta and the power that he has within the organization um you know i think he's he's obviously proven to be very successful but now he has more of a platform uh to kind of mold it in his vision or to his vision um and, you know, he's got more money than basically anybody else in the
2: league to do it. Very successful for a very long time. Has never hired a head coach. That's interesting. It's just a weird, it's just like a, a weird thing, right? I mean, he had Jason Kreiss. one together. Tough. Schmetzer was an interim manager. Came in yeah. to replace Ziggy Schmidt. That was a big decision, by the way. That, that was a big decision that Garth made. Yeah. Schmetzer comes in as the interim and, and has won ever since. So, uh, I don't, and he may not. Hire a coach, right? He might, it might be a GM that, that does it. So it's just a, it's just a oh, weird quirk. Gonzalo Pineda might stay on, you know, yeah, but- <laughs> sure. they could win with Gonzalo yeah. Pineda. Um <laughs> uh-huh. But just a, just like one of those weird quirks. All right. We, we covered Garth Lagerwey to Atlanta United. Sam, what's your first big move of the offseason that you liked? Yeah. So I, I guess I didn't really do this in a particular order,
1: but, but my big one is Wilfred Nancy to Columbus and the ensuing kind of great Montreal sell off that happened as well. So obviously the crew, you know, they had a pretty volatile time, I would say under Caleb Porter, uh, fitting his pattern of making and then missing the playoffs in alternating years. They won MLS cup in 2020, had a really disappointing season in 2022. And then, you know, they kind of poach a guy from within the league, something that you and I have sort of been calling for, for a long time for teams to attempt. And for me, Nancy, he was, Maybe the best coach in MLS last year. Um, I can't even remember who I voted for for Coach of the Year, but I'm pretty sure it was it was for him. I voted <laughs> feel, for him. That feels yeah. like ages ago. Um, and, and you know, he had he had club to foot. They were excellent last year. They were one of the best drilled teams in the league, never unbalanced, uh, really like decisive and incisive with the ball. Players seemed to be totally on board with him and his system, and they played legitimately good soccer. Uh, they did it on a pretty low budget and they had a great year. Uh, it might take a while for him to kind of get it fully up and running in Columbus, you know, cause that system does take some work. And, you know, if he wants to play three in the back, like he did with Montreal, I'm not sure the crew currently have the personnel for that, particularly after they traded Jonathan Mensah to San Jose. Um, but I think eventually he'll get that thing going at a really good level. And with some of the talent that they have already, with Cucho Hernandez and Lucas El and Nagby and Aiden Morris, you know, they could be playing some pretty good soccer right off the bat. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by that ire. I'm, I think if I was a crew fan, I'd be really excited about it. Um, not just for this year, but for down the road. Montreal, meanwhile, big questions, big, big questions. So you replace Nancy with former DC United manager, Hernan Losada. He played a much different style in DC. He got pretty good results with it um, in God, what year was that? 2021? He just got fired last year, right? Masada? Yeah. It feels like ages ago. Um, but, you know, he had issues with man management, I think it's fair to say, towards the end there. <laughs> and it was a quick hook for him in 2022. Um, it was high press. It was a lot of running. It was not very pretty soccer. <laughs> it was not very, like, organized or cohesive in the attack. It was kind of, you know, just Red Bull-ish. Um, so he comes in. A lot of players have gone out. Georgie Mihailovic, gone. Ismail Kone, gone. Alistair Johnston, gone. All sold, I think, for a combined sum of like $18 million, which is excellent business. Traded Joaquin Torres, another influential player from 2022. They went out and got Aaron Herrera from RSL in a trade that I think is great for them, and I'm still confused why RSL did it. so that covers the Johnston replacement. Like and, and I think I don't think there's really any drop off there whatsoever. So you're fine in that in that spot. They got George Campbell from Atlanta, young center back. And they have some kind of young Academy kids or young signings coming up, maybe in midfields, particularly for the Kone replacement, but they don't really have anybody to replace Mihailovic. And he was so influential for them the last couple of years, and and given kind of the other pieces in their attack, Kai Kamara is still there. He's said that he wants to leave. That situation is strange. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like I'm just very skeptical about how it's going to come together for them this year. And this is sort of the volatility that's inherent to Montreal because of who their owner is, and you know it's it's been the same under Joey Saputo for the entire time they've been in MLS and really even predating that, that it's been a pretty up and down rocky ride, never boring, um, but not very stable. And, you know, we'll see how it works. Um, I do think they'll take a step back for sure. But I also think that they have the foundation established by Downsea to, to at least be competitive in the East this season.
2: We'll see. I mean, I think Losada, you know, he, he's going to blow up some aspects of that foundation just kind of inherent to who he is and how he operates. I mean, I, I helped to write a story on Losada when he left East United, and it was a very bizarre story to write because of the the different sources and what they were saying. I mean, he was a very polarizing figure in that organization. Um and I, I just I'm interested to see what he learned from it, because you you are able to learn things. And I think for any coach coming into a new country and a new especially a young coach, like, him. yeah, you're coming into a new culture, new country, the players, the they, they think differently than they than they do other places. Things that you do in some countries aren't, you know, looked upon as well in, in different cultures, different countries. So it'll be interesting to see um, how he has grown and adjusted since leaving D.C. United. Um. All right. So for my next off-season move that I want to point out, I'm I'm gonna go up to Canada as well. I'm gonna stay in Canada. Uh, oh. I I'm gonna go with Sean John and and Matt Hedges to Toronto FC. I what I like about it is really just it's so different than what last year was to, for Toronto. It was like Toronto was like all big name international signings for a crap ton of money. Mm-hmm. And when you go and you look at their more recent transactions, even to the end of last year with Mark Anthony K coming in, um, I, I just think that they they found that they needed more balance. They needed um, they needed some strength in the back for sure. And I think getting a, a goalkeeper like Sean John really helps with that. And I, I think they just needed a little bit more of that kind of bite in their team in general, and the and the kind of domestic knowledge that. Typically helps MLS teams kind of navigate the the MLS enthracities that that we know exist. So I I point this out because I think Toronto is a supremely talented roster. I think Insigne is probably one of the more talented players, probably top three, just pure talent players in the league. They have wingers that are capable of, of tearing a team open. But I think getting a little bit more balance into this team is crucial. Now, Hedges will have to keep an eye on his health and how he's able to um, get through an entire season. But I just think that, you know, I, I'm keeping my eye on Toronto because they were a hugely disappointing team last year. They are. I think they are. They are probably still dealing with some of the challenges that come by adding big personalities on enormous sums of money into the locker room, and having a, a coach who has a big personality and an even bigger say and more power than he had at LAFC. And Bob Bradley, he's the coach and the sporting director, and a big personality in Michael Bradley. Like those things still exist. I just wonder if if kind of the the turn and how they are and in the, in the types of signings that they've been making will help to kind of take the potential and the stars and everything that we saw from last year and turn it into more of a team this year. Hmm. And I've heard they look decent in the preseason. Not hmm. that preseason matters at all in MLS. So I think their first 11 is great. And
1: then I'm looking at the team and I'm like, if two or three guys get hurt, this could fall apart real quick. They don't really have depth, Paul. And that's part of the problem from last year. You know, they brought in another guy, Adama Diamande, formerly of LAFC, reuniting him with Bob Bradley. Um, you know, I think if, if those guys stay healthy, then then yeah, they're going to be good. Huge upgrade in goal with Sean Johnson. Love that. Uh, but I, I just wonder about the depth considering the age of that team um in some of those key positions uh and and I don't know I mean we'll see man like I like I said I think the first 11 is great but I'm really skeptical about you know what's behind them and it's a long year there's going to be injuries it's inevitable in and, and Bernardeski they could tear through everyone 100% they probably should <laughs> Um, but if either of them goes down, if those, some of those midfielders go down, Osorio has struggled with injuries here over the last year or so, um, you know, then this, this could get a little bit messy pretty fast. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm optimistic if they can keep that 11 on the field, but I'm not optimistic that they can
2: keep that 11 on the field. Sense. Yeah. I mean, I also would say like, you know, of teams in MLS don't have depth either. So, uh,
1: yeah, but like when you're talking about the top teams in the league, you know, like, like this is not one of the deeper ones. Uh, Um, Paul, who would you say was like the worst DP contract in the league last year? Oof.
2: Uh, I, I really didn't love Shakiri's contract.
1: Okay. That's, that's fair. Um, what are your thoughts on Kevin Cabral? <laughs>
2: <laughs> hmm. Uh, not great. Yeah. Also a very long contract uh, and, uh, you know, not a, not a ton of production to match.
1: Oh, certainly not. Got himself into a lot of good spots and then, you know, famously, infamously could never, ever, ever, ever finish. Looked like kind of a broken player from a confidence perspective. And was a real kind of albatross for the galaxy because they weren't getting what they needed from him, and they weren't getting what they needed from some, several other people, and you know they underperformed. So they got him off the books, and this was kind of, I think, such a huge move trading him to Colorado, who will take on his DP spot for the Rapids. I think it makes sense considering their budget and, and their needs, and, and kind of what their what the alternatives would have been. Um, but for the Galaxy, this just gives them a, a huge amount of freedom. They now have an open DP spot. They still have Douglas Costa on the roster, which I don't love. <laughs> they still have kind of some weird fits here. They need a, a replacement for Julian Araujo now that he's off to Barcelona. Um, you know, they don't really have a winger at the moment that I that I would really rely on. And if you're, you know, so m- maybe that means they're playing a two-striker formation, which I actually think could be okay. I, I like Jovelic a lot chicharito is going to get his goals if you play the two of them together maybe you can cause some damage but i like that midfield three a lot ricky puge brugman delgado i think they were good last year i think they'll be good again this year uh and paul there's another development in galaxy land and that's chris klein is no longer technically running the sporting department what that actually means in practice i do not know uh greg Vanny is now officially the sporting director I still think they need some infrastructure there. I think they need a a person who's kind of got more experience in that role to come in and handle a lot of it. Um, We'll see if they end up making a move in that regard, but this is like a way forward for LA who were not bad last year, but this is a way forward. It gives them flexibility, gets them out from, from a contract that was just so, so terrible um, in terms of (laughs) how much it limited them. And I think it kind of gets them out a little bit, or at least I shouldn't say that it gives them the potential to get out from kind of like who's running the show over there. No one really knows. And the roster construction doesn't make a ton of sense because like there are eight different priorities and there are eight different people inserting their voices. They need somebody who's, who's leading, leading the charge on the sporting department. And with Chris Klein suspended because of the rules violations that they did on the Pavone deal, many moons ago. Um, I think they have a they have the potential to actually go out and hire somebody to lead that side of the equation for them now. And I think that's only a positive for the galaxy. So if I'm an LA fan, I know there's a lot of consternation over Klein out there, um, but I, I feel good about where where things are right now. They still need some pieces. They still need to make some moves, but the future feels brighter than it did, at least in my opinion, even two, three months ago.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the flexibility you're talking about. And I, I also think that Vanny is, you know, a good person to build. Like, it's his vision that you want to build around if I were to pick anyone in that front office. You uh, know? Of and, course,
1: yeah. So, but, like,
2: you know, being a coach is is a hard job on its yeah, own. no,
1: and, for sure. and I think when you layer on sporting director on top of that, it's just a lot to handle. Very few can do it. Peter Vermes has done it to some success, Bruce Arena has done it to some success, but they have really strong support around them. Right. And they they they've been in that sporting director job for a long time. They know how to do it. Elevating somebody now to do that and to coach, it's just it's just a lot. It's a little bit I think unfair to put on any one person. And so I would like to see the Galaxy kind of build out that that side of the infrastructure.
2: For sure, but I I do like that call on Cabral. Um, offloading that contract and just giving yourself a little bit of flexibility. Okay, my last one is an interesting one. I picked it because I thought it was like a coup. I thought it was incredible that they got the money that they got. So the Chicago Fire selling John Duran at the price that they sold him. Uh, you know, it's it was surprising to me. Um, I felt like he was a good young player. He broke out last season and had this great potential but to get 18 million dollars up front on a transfer fee for him i thought was mind-boggling almost um i think it speaks to a very very from what i i've talked to a couple different teams obviously as you said we've been doing the gm survey and so i've been able to pick people's brains it's it's a very difficult market right now for number nines Um very competitive not a lot of production And so the price is being driven up on a lot of different players. And I think the fire benefits when they're going to England. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the fire benefited from that, that it's difficult to find these nines. And so teams are starting to look earlier at like players who aren't maybe there yet, but you think you can get them a little bit earlier than before they start to hit those real top prices. But I mean, this is the peak of the price for John Duran coming out of MLS and it gives the fire the chance to do something big. Will they do it? That's the other question. And Sam, you just wrote a story about the fire. And I think you nailed a lot of different aspects of this in that when George Heights came in and took over, he took over a roster that had basically almost no foundational pieces off of which to build. I mean, they they had signed Alvaro Madron to like a long term TAM deal, which I don't look at as a foundational piece. And I never did, even though he had OK production. They had no DPs. They had traded away Dax McCarty for pennies on the dollar for no reason, in my opinion. And they had to basically build from scratch in a very short period of time. And what I think a lot of people learn that are from outside of MLS, what they learn very quickly is because of the structure of MLS roster rules, it's a lot harder to fix your mistakes when you make them, especially when you make them on the high money areas, and the fire made mistakes there. And it's been kind of like trying to recover from that ever since. And they're going into this season having lost Duran and having also sold Gaga Slonina for $10 million to Chelsea, two of their best young pieces. And they haven't replaced Duran. They need, uh, they have a DP spot that they can use that they need to spend on a, on a forward. And but they I are think- looking for that. Yeah, they're looking for a DP number 9. They're looking to replace Duran. They have two, two 22 22 slots 22, 22 open. So they they can fill those spots for sure. Chris Brady is a US under 20 goalkeeper. He's stepping into Slonina's spot, another young goalkeeper. You know, the Fire will hope that he can be what Slonina was and uh, and become, you know, a, a good solid starting goalkeeper. He's still young. And we saw Slonina make a lot of mistakes last year with the Fire. That's what happens when you have young goalkeepers. So, for me, the, the big deal is Duran, from a league perspective, was everything you dream of. A U-22 signing, under $2 million, sold for $18 million. It gives the Fire a chance. I think that the Fire need to go in and add a big name striker. Uh, not a big name, a, a big money, big productive striker. I don't know that they will do that. Paul,
1: you say it gives the Fire a chance to sale Respectfully, I really disagree with you.
2: It changes nothing for them. No, it gives them the chance to do something. Like they can take that money and turn around and well, de- Joe and Mansueto flip right into a-
1: may have given them that money anyway. But
2: but I can like, understand that, that Mansueto's they- patience is running out. Like it's the, a lot but, easier to to flip money than it is to take more out of your hundred percent. But the issue with the fire
1: is not money and how much they're spending. They spend plenty of money. Yeah, they're one of the highest spending clubs in the entire league. That's not the issue. The problem is how the pieces all fit together. I actually think they have some talented players. It just didn't really mesh well last year. I think maybe the tactics weren't a great fit for the roster that they assembled. Shakiri, you know, he wasn't awful, but, you know, he wasn't good enough for what they were asking of him and what they were paying him. Um, and I, I don't know. Money to me isn't the problem. So, like, I, I agree with you that these sales are pretty, um, very important from a league perspective, but from like a local Chicago Fire perspective, like I don't think this really changes that much. They're bringing they've they've signed four new players to the team that fin- that missed the playoffs for a fifth straight season last year, and you know they're still looking for guys. But it, it's you know the season starts in nine days. They've had these same holes all off season except for the Duran one.
0: Yeah, like,
2: I mean, look, I am surprised yet. at their lack of activity. I know that they were in on a forward. It fell apart. It didn't work out. That happens sometimes. But mm-hmm. I, I just think like... For I'm not me, saying they're not trying. The, they just haven't been able to get it done. The Duran sale stands out because it is... You wrote this story too. It is a, a proof of concept for the U22 initiative. Though I think it could be just as successful without having a like initiative created if you just gave teams a, a big... Sure you know whatever but like yeah you buy young players you hit on them it can be a big deal so yes. league-wide I think it's important that Duran goes and does well so that more these young mm-hmm. players in MLS are looked at positively and not just kind of homegrowns and then yeah your hope is that Chicago can finally figure it out that's the hope and I, I live see. in Chicago so I hope it so that I feel more compelled to go to Soldier Field and watch games MLS games yeah Abendal, potentially Abendal 1. potentially going to be a soccer specific stadium soon soldier yeah Shield. yeah so the Bears moving to Arlington Heights it looks like the so. field will hopefully be in better shape if that happens uh, it sounds not. like it's a few years away but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I don't know I just thought it was an important moment for the league and for me it was like a very surprising amount of money for a player who I don't think yeah, is no, at know level yet it, don't get me wrong Selling
1: him and, and that whole story is a huge success story for the fire and for George Heights. And they deserve credit, like a ton of it. Like that's a great move and and, and more power to him. It's just like, are they gonna be a winning team this year? I, I'm not super optimistic about that. Paul, my third thing. You know, there's not much you can really count on in MLS. League changes wildly year to year. One of the things you can count on typically is the Chicago fire not being great. But one of the other things that you can count on over really the last seven years is that NYCFC is going to be at or near the top of the Eastern conference. And they've they've established, you know, a really good squad, a really good way of playing. Um, and they've had some key figures that are sort of been through lines throughout a lot of their regular season. And eventually in 2021 postseason success, Guys like Sean Johnson, Maxi Morales, Alex Kainz, Anton Tinnerholm. Guess what, Paul? All those guys are gone. They're gone. (laughs) Uh, Eber, also gone. Nico Acevedo, also, also gone. They never really replaced Tati Castellanos. So, you know, this is a team that has been super consistent and excellent for a long time. And they have a huge, huge, huge amount of uncertainty heading into this year. They're still working on some moves from what I understand. You know, it's been reported that they're bringing back Santi Rodriguez, which would be fantastic for them. I think he's a, a very good young player. And that would go a long way towards, you know, filling the hole left by Maxi Morales. Um, so, you know, I think I think there's probably not too many issues there. Uh, Tavon Gray, he'll probably be the right back. He's gotten a lot of playing time um, in the past when Tinnerholm was out for basically a, a calendar year. Signed a new left back. Replacing Sean Johnson with Matt Fries, they traded Philadelphia a decent amount of allocation money for him. um, So they clearly believe in him. However, he's never been a starter before. That doesn't mean he'll be bad, but it's just sort of uncertainty. He's a bit of an unknown. They didn't really go out and replace Alex Keyens, who for me was one of the best center backs in the entire league. Um, Tiago Martins and Chennault, Maxime Chennault, will be kind of the two starters there if they go with a four-man back line. Um, And then up top, I guess it's Talos Magno, who is really talented, but has been way better on the wing than he has as a number nine. And and so it's it's sort of like, all right, is this the year that NYCFC kind of comes back a little bit? You know, I anticipate some more signings there, um, but this is a massive overhaul. I don't think it's gotten kind of enough attention. I don't. I'm not going to say it's a full rebuild or anything like that, um, but it's certainly more than just a refresh. There's yeah. a lot of moving parts, and you know, first full year as a full-time head coach for Nick Cushing as well. So, a lot of questions for me with NYCFC. I still think they'll be decent, but it's hard to predict them being as steady as they've been in the past.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, I would say if there's any MLS team in that's positioned. To make a lot of good signings in a short amount of time, it's NYCFC and City Football. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Actually, though, Paul, I did—I forgot to mention this. I, you know, obviously, City Football Group is going through some stuff right now.
2: (laughs) Do they have other things they're focused on? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, speaking of Manchester City and financial fair play and the huge investigation that the Premier League is—a
2: hundred charges against them by the Premier League. (laughs) So I'm not anticipating anything
1: to happen soon, certainly, and maybe never. But I do wonder. If NYCFC will be caught up in any of this, and if there will be any implications for them,
2: I will say I I called MLS to ask if there was anything that we could expect. Would would MLS have anything to say about City Football Group in Major League Soccer? And I don't know. And, and, <laughs> well, I asked like, really? would, would they open an investigation considering yeah. that those charges, the 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 sheer number of charges of, of breaking financial mm-hmm. rules in the Premier League, and um, the league said no comment okay there you go i
1: mean you know i would assume that the Premier League maybe they'll dig some stuff up and maybe some some things will come out that involve nycfc whether or not MLS sees that or if they do see it act on it those are those are different questions entirely and again i don't think these are things that are going to be happening on any kind of short time frame there also is a very distinct possibility that nycfc isn't caught up in any of this or nothing that they did violated any MLS rules or, or anything i'm not trying to implicate them in anything i'm just you know, I saw that investigation. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if there's going to be anything, any fallout from this. So a lot going on in NYCFC and city football group land these days. Paul, look at that. That was like, that was like sports radio right there, man. Incredible. Um, we're going to take but, a break. Sorry. Go ahead. Say, I was just saying that's why they pay you the big bucks, Sam. <laughs> yeah, that's why, um, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some questions. From you, our lovely and loyal listeners. Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit
0: card. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer. If you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to allocation disorder.
1: I'm Sam Stasekul. He's Paul Tenoyer. We are talking about major league soccer. First we are, uh, we are going to dive into a Q and a Q&A that we solicited via Twitter A lot of you guys wrote in, so thank you for that. We're going to get to as many of your questions as we can. But before we dive into soccer questions, Paul, um, Twitter guy Justin's iPhone has a really important question that I'm not even going to let you answer because you don't deserve to. (laughs) Is Northwestern basketball back? Um, I mean, it's a difficult one to answer because, like, what are we back from? We've never been to the tournament except that one time. So like, can we say we're back when we've never really been to the place that we're now at or we're now going? I don't know. But Boo Boo is the man, and he's a legend. And go Cats! That's I got to say. And Paul, I mean, it, for those going to try have been and jump
2: it. on this bandwagon, and he's he's a fraud. You can't fraud. jump on a bandwagon you've been driving. You've been on it. Where if you're driving bandwagon? it, you can't jump on it. You know.
1: I'm not even doing this as a bit. This like legitimately makes me mad.
2: You know, sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes your passengers get unruly on the bandwagon and Sam right now you're getting unruly. You're Long a friend.
1: Gone. You're a clown. clown. You're a clown.
2: <laughs> okay. I <laughs> got I got a, a non soccer question for you to start off. Our good friend, the cloaker, Josh Cloak, your Canadian brethren. That's right. He wants to know when are we coming back to Hamtown? What's Hamtown? You know what Hamtown is. I don't. I don't recognize it. Yeah, it's Hamtown. It is Hamtown. Oh, uh, is he talking about the hammer? No. Hamilton, Ontario? No. Um, yes. He is talking about Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. Hamtown. Well,
1: I, I funnily enough, I've actually booked my summer vacation. I'm I'm going up there for two and a half weeks to the shores of Lake Ontario, you know, about an
2: hour <laughs> southwest of Toronto.
1: Lovely Hamtown.
2: What, I, I will say this. I saw the uh Thin crust pizza that Cloak made. He's really expanded his pizza making since we were there. He made us pizza too, but it was like more traditional. Now I see he's making Detroit style. I think he was doing that before. He He did a thin crust. He just. I think he's like perfecting it. That the thin crust pizza looked amazing. So I am gonna make it. Make my way back up there just for some of that thin crust. Not.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna figure it out.
2: Don't worry about it. Look, I just. Talked about Toronto FC and and maybe I'll go do a story stop, up there. What
1: are you doing? Stop it. Journey
2: on over to Hamtown. You're a clown. All right. Let's get into <laughs> soccer stuff. We actually <laughs> answered this a lot. Um we had we got three questions on the fire. Basically, it's like do the fire have enough after Gaga and Duran's departure, Duran's departure, or like is this winger uh Haile Selassie and the the right back Arnaud Soket okay So, okay. 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 Um, I I don't enough to make meaningful change. Uh, is Chicago waiting until the summer to spend the war chest? Can their season afford to wait? We we kind of went over this. I will say this. No, they can't afford to wait. I think they need to make a move or multiple moves in this primary window. Sam reported in his story that they are going to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a little scary if you're a fire fan to see such, um, little incoming activity so i think i think to be fair to
1: the fire it's natural to expect a little bit of improvement even with the same guys they've been in the system a year ezra hendrickson's been there a year presumably hiro torres will be healthier than he was last year when he missed a ton of time so i think it's fair to expect a little bit of year over year improvement i just think they also need some upgrades and we'll see we'll see when they come
2: okay uh, next question. Adam Leahy is Jose Mourinho the answer to the USMNT manager job? What's the question? Like, if he's
1: the answer, what is the question? How much I fun do you want to have? The special this? one, special one TV. You remember that? Um,
2: I don't know, man. I'm
1: like so. <laughs> like, part of me hates the idea. Part of me likes it. I think either way, he's out of the budget. I don't think yeah. I don't think it would be happening so I think it's kind of an academic discussion but um you know he'd bring in and there'd be a good defensive identity and you know the players would love him and then probably hate him after a period of time like like happens in most of his stops and he would be ridiculous and say wild things and it would be ambitious and bold and exciting um, would it like would he materially lift the U S in a tournament and what they do at 2026 or in the Copa America in 2024, maybe like he's the sort of manager that can get a lot out of teams, particularly because it's just like, he can set them up to not concede goals. Um, the U S is already kind of good at that. So I, I, I don't know, man. Um, it would be interesting. It would be
2: expensive to, accumulate. I don't think it's for me, but I wouldn't hate it. It's just not for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I i mean, maybe we need to nail down on this a little bit more and try to get an idea really, really, really of like what a guy like Jose Mourinho is making now. I know what he, you know, he was making eight figures before. Is he still making that at Roma? If he, yeah. if he's not, he's going to be after this season. That's for sure. Um, but I can tell you that I don't think U.S. soccer is set up to pay a coach $10 million a year. So. um Um, okay we got a question from nathan to rank our top new kits so far and i wanted to make sure we commented on one that was for me the worst one you know by a, a wide margin but sam what are your favorite kits so far i i like charlotte's
1: a lot i like the purple that's not something we've seen very often in major league soccer i think it looks i think it looks lovely i think they knocked it out of the park um you know i think paul we've seen a lot more variety and risks in MLS kits this year, which is good. Some of them, you know, aren't for me, but I'm not cool. So that's fine. Cool kids alike. That's true. Um, I like the Red Bulls one. It's, it's tie dye and weird. I like that. Um, I like Atlanta going back to their classic, you know, original look. I like that too. Um, yeah, I think those are probably three of my favorites. I thought Portland's was, was good, but like not super noteworthy or remarkable, but I thought it was nice.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, to name some that you, I also had Charlotte and Red Bulls on my list. I, I thought Seattle's was cool, but it looks like a Real Salt Lake jersey. Hmm. Um, So that was, that's a little weird. Um, okay. I th- I, and I like Colorado. The Bruce, I
1: like the Bruce Lee kit. The Bruce Seattle Lee kit. Seattle's just like, they're just like, what celebrities mm-hmm. have connections to
2: Seattle? I mean, it's, it's kind like of cool. Hendrix. It's got Bruce Lee's signature on it. It's got some really cool looks to it. Colorado's jersey as well. My brother just moved to Denver, so he's gonna get a a Rapids jersey and rapids like the
1: Colorado one. I don't
2: mind it. I think it's my my wife didn't love it, but I I didn't mind it. She's got a better eye than I do. I mean, you're less Um, cool
1: than I am, so I
2: don't think that's true.
1: Well, I think that's kind of demonstrably
2: false. Uh the worst kit though. I mean, I laughed when I saw it out loud, and I didn't have that reaction for any other jerseys, Hmm. is the FC Dallas. burn baby burn the burn baby burn disco inferno (laughs) you got some like clip art flames on it
1: yeah it's bad um it i mean this isn't an insult because i love this person like truly love this person but like it looks
2: like something guy fieri would wear (laughs) (laughs) Um, you you are the biggest guy fieri fan i know it's you and my sister like, those are the two biggest Guy Fieri fans I know. Yeah, but probably. your love of him is 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 like a deeper. It's, it's as pure as the Driven Snow. It really is. You really are a big Guy Fieri guy. Which big, anyone listening to this guy show guy is guy. not surprised.
1: Big Guy. Um, this one's from Vegas Villians.
2: Not Villains. Villians. I was kind of hoping they were trying to park the Twitter name and just happen to spell Villains wrong. So let us know, Vegas Villains, if that's what happened.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe someone else stole it already. Yeah. Any news about
2: the Las Vegas expansion? Paul, any news to report? Well, Don Garber just spoke to SBJ and he said that they are looking at Sports three markets. Sports business journal, Sports business journal. in the biz. Yeah, he said he's looking at they're they're still considering three markets. Sacramento, there's still interest there. The, oh, the, he,
1: he name dropped Sacramento. Name
2: dropped Sacramento that they that the city is still very, very interested in getting a team. They don't have an owner, they don't have the money, basically, mm, and yeah. that matters most to MLS. Um that they still you can't really you can't really be in discussions if you don't have that so yeah, like they need the money as they have everything else on. they have the stadium site they have the municipal support the government support they need the the, the big fish they need i the mean money. that's like
1: me saying i'm interested in being the king of england
2: not not really but
1: i mean it's kind of like that
2: it's kind of like you saying like i can be the next guy fieri it's like you have some of the attributes but not all you're of them right. you know
1: you're right maybe i should maybe i should do that career yeah. pivot
2: could, anyway could there's it. only um, one there's only one he did say that they are still very, very interested in Las Vegas. It sounds like they, they are also looking for an owner in Vegas because the previous party that was interested seems to be out. Um, and West then San, San Diego. Diego. San Diego is wow. the other, the big one. Interesting. Um, yeah,
1: the fact that they, they were so publicly close to announcing Las Vegas, I think it was last year, Garber said, you know, we hope to get this done by the end of April. And he said that towards the end of February and then nothing happens and here we are a year later, that sort of tells me like, okay, they couldn't come to an agreement. Maybe the expansion fee was too high. Maybe something else fell through. I don't know, but um, probably probably not a situation that is turnkey at this point. I would assume they need something new or something to change there. Um, Paul, this is from At Aliens 17 maybe one of the 17s, my favorite nickname for a fan base, the 17s.
2: How would you rate the early returns from the young money initiative? Mixed bag. I mean, there are positives and there are negatives and that's to be expected. I I am again a firm believer in like that this is a stupid thing. <laughs> like I think <laughs> I think anytime you create <laughs> Sorry to just keep it that simple, but that's what it is. It's like you've created this pot of money that's that you you've arbitrarily picked an age of 22 and under just completely arbitrarily. I mean, I think there was some logic behind it. I don't think it was totally, uh, you know, and you, and you created these tiers to like, make sure that you're giving a boost to the teams that spend less on transfer fees, because God forbid that they feel like they're losing any sort of ground to the owners who spend more money than them. And I think that these same things that you're trying to accomplish, the same ideas, that you, you want to get like the John Duran, like the ideal, buy him for 2 million, sell him for 18 million. The like that's the ideal, the dream yeah. you can do without buckets. You can say, here are your, here's your amount of money to spend on your team. Here's a minimum. You have to spend. Here's a maximum. You can spend and teams will go and do this too. They're not just all. Some teams might sign more older DPs. Some teams might sign all young players. Let the teams decide, let the owners who have spent, hundreds of millions of dollars and some of them billions on an, on being in this team decide how do they want to build their team and I and so what do I think about the early returns of young money eh it's okay it's been good there's been great success stories there's been absolute abject failures but you know what the idea That's expected yeah as expected the idea fine whatever. Just give teams freedom to build as they see fit and and say, here's the evidence of why, if you buy young players, you can sell them for money. If you want to be a team that aspires to do that, do it. But not every team has to. And and that creates interesting things within the league, different ideas, different approaches to winning, different ways of competing. It helps develop styles of play and styles of of ownership and compelling narratives and i'm not even going to get into this rant today but i do want to say again you're not you're not he says five minutes later (laughs) (laughs) open things up and also make things transparent if you're not going to open things up if you're going to keep having gam and tam and all this other crap Tell us how much teams have so we can talk about it.
1: I'm not even going to get into this rant today. (laughs) Five minutes into a rant. What? What?
2: Don't worry about it, Sam. Get to the next question. What do you think about Young Money, Sam? I'm not even going to get into this rant today. Oh, (laughs) my God. That's
1: like the most ridiculous thing you've ever done. Um, Houston Arrow, what does the average MLS scouting department look like? Uh, This is a hard question to answer because uh, truthfully, I don't know. Some of them, like NYCFC, you know, super robust. They are tapped into CFG. It's one scouting department for the global system, and they all work together. Red Bull, another example. That's like the best in the world. Like you can't really do any better than that. Um, On the other side of the coin, Paul, you know, you and I, we saw uh, we saw a presentation from an unnamed MLS club, and you know, kind of creating player profiles this week. Um, and you know comparisons and, and what they were looking for, different attributes. And um, when I say that a motivated fourth grader could have done it, I'm probably being too nice. It was. I mean, it's hard. Like I, I can't give any details beyond that. But just know that it was, it was bad. It was, di- <laughs> it was disheartening.
2: It was disheartening is what it was. Um,
1: so, so it runs the gamut. Is what I'm trying to say uh and you know it just varies wildly team by team um i think mostly the teams that you would guess have good ones have good ones and the teams that you would guess don't have good ones don't have good ones um people spend money on it typically it's better than if they don't yeah paul this is from greg halvax hope i'm pronouncing that right are you going to dive into st louis city soon greg are you like are you our editor like what are you doing greg what is (laughs) i was signing
2: us stories greg
1: (laughs) Greg. <laughs> it's
2: just soccer Greg. Paul you down. In, Paul, you live in the
1: Midwest. <laughs> you live in the Midwest. Why, why how come you haven't written about St. Louis City yet? What's your problem? You know, I
2: think I have been thinking about maybe popping down there for their uh, yeah. their debut in their stadium. So maybe maybe that's when you'll get a, a, a dive into St. Louis City. I don't know. He won't do it. I used to make that drive a lot. Talk. My my uh, teaching oh, Media talk, internship okay. was at the St. Louis Post Dispatch. I used to make that drive all the time. My old There's. red Acura Integra. <laughs> oh, an Acura Integra.
1: Wow. Fancy hatchback. I drove a Saturn in college. Broke I down while I was driving up a mountain. Just stop. I bought working. my
2: Acura Integra for $700 from my now brother-in-law. And that wow. thing lasted me all through college and what many drives before? from D.C. to Chicago and back and Chicago to St. Louis and back. Wow. Lovely. Next
1: question. Matt Showalter. Have you heard anything from clubs about how they're feeling about the implementation of all of the additional programming through the Apple deal? How invested slash frustrated are teams and how much does that vary across MLS? Yeah,
2: I'll take this one, Sam. Um, yeah, we definitely heard when when it first got announced that they were asking the teams to create all of this content uh, very, very quickly that there were some teams that were like, oh, crap, uh, we don't have the staff to do this. During the course of the GM survey, I've heard from a lot of teams saying the investment that's happened in their club since the Apple deal hasn't been a sporting investment. It's been mm-hmm. an investment in this kind of creative infrastructure. And you've so seen so, it. Teams yeah, are announcing seen. new staff and, and on-air personalities and, and all of yeah. that. Stuff. And and there was there was a lot of complaining, but I also heard from a couple of people on teams that basically were like, stop complaining like this is what you need to do to look like a really good professional league like if this is what apple needs to make i this haven't heard look, much complaining yeah i mean i'm I'm not talking about like i i think when we first first got like the the documents that we saw mm-hmm. we heard i i mean pablo and i were talking about it we had heard from teams that were kind of saying like i think they were scared the structure to do this yeah they were afraid. And, and there from what i heard there were some complaints in league-wide calls of like how can you expect us to create this content when we don't have and it was kind of like go do what you have to do like this is what's necessary to grow the league and so like and i agree with that i'm on i'm in line with like that thought yeah. like go yeah. hire the people
1: yeah
2: and they um, are for the most part yeah and they all are i mean and and i so, i enjoyed some twitter threads on on the teams that have done a really good job with the content and the teams that haven't and hopefully that there was a really good thread. I can't remember who put it out there. Yeah, but It was a good really, thread. I shared it with a few people. And you know what? You know, it's a good thing. I mean, if like if like 63% of the teams all got good grades on that thread, you know, there wouldn't be incentive for the other teams to make better content. But since all of the teams are getting called out for their good and bad content, I think maybe it's making those teams that have bad content do better content. Maybe they should try that on the soccer side too. Okay, It's
1: a content competition.
2: Um, Ryan Joseph, have the crew, Ohio's club, I feel like that's a a shot at Cincinnati there, (sighs) um, fix the issues that caused them to drop a billion winnable points last season so they can finally take their place as a top club in the East.
1: Um, Have they fixed them? Well, they haven't played any games yet, so it's hard to know uh i obviously talked about the crew a lot at the top of the first segment um i really like the hire of wilfrid nancy will that lead to them you know correcting those issues this season maybe maybe not i think they'll get better at it i think some of that's random i think some of it you'll see some regression to the mean which will mean good things for the crew and i think some of it is like you know a new voice new energy i think is probably beneficial in those ways so, yeah, I don't think they'll drop a billion points in the last 10 minutes of games like they did last year. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll probably be one of you know, top four or five teams in the East and uh, potentially make some noise in the playoffs. Cucho Hernandez, really good. Really good. So, you know, if he's firing, they'll they'll have a good chance
2: to go a decent way. Okay. Uh, Rupesh Sharma, which under-the-radar MLS club do you think will have the best season? Huh. You know, this is one I should have thought about before you read it, Paul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh I can't provide you any relief. As the reader of the question, I am now granted time to do research while you struggle with your answer. Okay. Well, I'm pulling
1: ahead. up the standings now. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be DC United. I'm gonna say that. Um hmm.
2: I think New England are due for a bounce back. Are they under the radar? Yeah, I'd count them under the radar. I mean, they're always under the radar. They are, aren't They're they? They're just like not talked about, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I think Kansas City are due for a bounce back. So if I had to pick one from each conference, I would say those two. I'm not sure how under the radar sporting is, but I think the additions they made last year were, were positive. And I think giving them a full year plus Polito, like that'll be good things. Um, who knows? Maybe Cristiano will terminate his contract in Saudi Arabia and, and move to Kansas. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be good. And then for the Revs, you know, Petrovic was great. Last season, uh, I like Barrero a lot. I'm curious to see what they can do with uh, with Bo and Heal and kind of getting back on track there. Uh, I like the addition of Dave Romney for them, and I think Bruce will kind of have them back in a, in a better spot this season.
2: All right. Um, for me, on my side of things, I'm going to go back to like hyping up the same team I hyped last year who I think is under the radar and has had another active offseason and kind of rebuilt again. And that's Orlando. I, I think Orlando is going to be better this they year than they were. They last weren't year. great last year. Man. They weren't great last year. I picked them to win MLS Cup. I said it was going to happen late in the year. One of their summer signings tore his ACL in his last game for his former club and never played. He'll be back this year. It's like kind of a new signing. They've added uh, a few other pieces. I, I think they're going to be good. I think they're they're definitely under the radar. Is is
1: the number nine situation?
2: The number uh, nine that situation. That's still yeah. I mean that's still the situation. But well, I think they can manufacture goals. Elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they can manufacture goals from their wing, from their uh, from their midfield. I I do I am on the like Kara is not a good enough DP striker for this league train. But he he still he doesn't not score goals. He just doesn't score like 20 goals, which is what you want from your DP. What do you have last year? You had like 10 goals?
1: I don't know. Something like that. This one comes from Rupesh Sharma. Nope, that was just the one that we just did. (laughs) (laughs) Reading. Reading is fundamental, Paul. This one comes from Lloyd Heilbrunn. Why would a manager with zero international experience fired from his last two club jobs within a year even be in this discussion for U.S. manager? Lloyd is referring to Jesse Marsh here, I, I presume, who, for the record, was a U.S. assistant coach back at the 2010 World Cup. So there is some international experience there um well it's because he's american it's because he's publicly not maybe not publicly but you know i think he would be interested in the job uh and he would probably be within the price range um i I think that's that's probably why i I think i think 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 being american is a big one yeah i think jesse marsh is not a terrible coach like you know he didn't succeed in his last two gigs that's for damn sure um but I don't think that's prohibitive to succeeding with the, with the U S national team. So. Yeah.
2: I mean, let's look at the, I mean, the Leipzig situation was, is, is kind of the the biggest black mark on the, on the resume. I mean, Leeds is what Leeds is. And I think they've learned that since firing Jesse Marsh, that they haven't found someone to take that job. They haven't been compelling enough, frankly, in my opinion, and the team is not that great. And they were exactly kind of where I expected them to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think being American has a lot to do with it. If if you took the exact same resume and you said it was like a German coach, I'm not sure that it would have been that there'd be the same discussion about that manager, but it's not. It's an American. And, it, and, and you know, I, I think that that is obviously always going to factor in. But to be fair, it's like the same like same kind of way like that we're talking about like Thierry Henry has interest in the job. Well, like Thierry Henry's two club coaching jobs haven't gone great either. And, you know, he, he was an assistant on the Belgian team, um, for, for the last few years under Roberto Martinez, he has interest in the US job. Well, like, why should they consider him? I don't I mean, I don't know that they are, but like it's it's I think it's like a, a, a fair discussion regarding Jesse in the same way that it's a fair discussion about Thierry Henry. Yeah.
1: I think there should be a real evaluation. I don't think it's like, oh, if Jesse Marsh if we can work out a deal with this guy. No, like they need to actually evaluate whether or not it makes sense. Uh Paul, this one's from Brendan Cartwright. So is DC United just not going to hire a GM now? How Machiavellian is Dave Casper. And if he's not that good at holding on to power, why can't he be better at assembling a roster? That's uh that's quite a question there. That's Paul. A loaded question. Um, I would right? say for the I would say for the first part, it, like DC United calls their GM like they refer to that differently than literally every other club in MLS. Their GM is the second person in that front office. Dave Casper remains the chief soccer officer as far as I know, Paul.
2: Yeah, when they announced this job, they said that that it would be like a co-CSO, whereas previously with Lucy Rushton, she was reporting weird. to Dave. Now, it, apparently, it was going to be a situation where there, that wasn't going to be the case. I think, that, I think there's been a lack of interest from, from candidates around the league. I think there's some trepidation. And I think part of it is like the questions of like, how is this going to work? Because Dave has been there for a really long time. So like are, if he's still there but you're on the same level is it like you're you're kind of like potentially walking into a power struggle and you know I think there are questions about the ownership group about their their desire to spend their ideas of how to spend the in general I think there are a lot of I mean, questions the, about the lack of clarity
1: the fact that there are questions about like how exactly does this role fit within the organization and with your boss slash coworker like there shouldn't be there should be clear lines and I don't think there are in D.C. And I think that's an
2: issue. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I've heard that Stuart Mayers is going to be promoted into that job. I don't I have only heard that from one source. And I don't know why I'm even saying it on the podcast, because usually I don't try to report things on here. <laughs> I to um, so, similarly to how I write. But um, <laughs> obviously, just still, you know, that's not an official report. That's just mm-hmm. a rumor. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I agree with you. I don't know. I mean, I, it feels like oh, they announced that this job was there, and there just hasn't been news on it since then. Yeah. Um, but when you when it comes to conversations with people around the league, it's not really thought of as like it wasn't really thought of as like not an plum, attractive opening. Not a plum post. Paul, two more questions here. We've been going for a while, so
1: you know, we'll shut it down soon. This is from the Harris Stan account. Harris Medunian, maybe, perhaps. I, I don't hope know. so. Harris Medunia Stan. Uh, It seems like a lot of MLS is willing to move towards intra-league transfer fees. Do you think the, quote, intangible, unquote, assets, draft picks, waiver order, international slots, et cetera, will be able to be purchased for real money rather than just allocation money?
2: Um, I don't think so. Do you think so? No, because when MLS introduces new rules, they always have to put as many restrictions on that rule as possible, and, and I think part of it makes sense of why you do that. It's because it takes a lot to work through the potential downsides or the the issues that you could come up against with something that's brand new, right? So you try to limit it as much as possible, and then you can learn how this works in actual practice beyond just like what you've tried to kind of like problem solve through in in the, in the lead up to introducing it. So I would expect it to be a very narrow introduction. And then as they like allow that to happen and they see the ramifications of these sales and how it works and how teams embrace it. They start to build out from there of what is eligible to be sold for cash versus for GAM. Um, and and that's how I, I would expect it to be rolled out. Well, one more question. This you want to read Last it? Last question of the Q&A. I'll, I'll ask it. Steve Lindley asks, in honor of Grant Wall's old MLS ambition rankings, what is the most ambitious and least ambitious club?
1: Hmm. Uh,
2: most ambitious for me, Toronto,
1: I think least ambitious. It's hard to say anyone but Colorado. San Jose. Yeah.
2: There's, the, the thing is for me is there's more candidates for least ambitious club than there is for most ambitious club. I'd don't know that that's maybe, true. maybe that's not true maybe that's not fair but it sounds good though <laughs> because you have atlanta you have new york city chicago chicago i think you have to talk about chicago in this lafc um i think those are those are the the teams lafc atlanta toronto chicago yeah i think even rank above anyone else like it's May,
1: galaxy maybe
2: yeah i think historically the galaxy yeah I think if the
1: Galaxy weren't like it, bad over the last five years that we would think of them differently in this. this
2: yeah, we can talk about those five teams as like the, the the five who are are least likely to say no to a sporting director that tells you I need X or you know uh or a president that says I need Y on the business side or on Did we put Chicago
1: side. in that group? Because yeah I think, think they so. in that group. Yeah.
2: Yeah they, I think those are the five. It's so it's, anyway, point B Atlanta, Chicago. So are there five least ambitious? I think so. I think you'd say San Jose, mm-hmm. Colorado, Colorado, DC United. Um, I think on it, I mean, Vancouver, uh, Vancouver. I think Houston was, they've definitely under they've, the new ownership. They've made, they've made like, like 7 billion they've, hires. They've hired center. so many yeah. people. We've had so many press releases in our emails and we we're talking about this before <laughs> so the <many>. podcast. <laughs> so many, um, I think there should be... I, and look, you have to give grace to... Certain Miami owners, also right. on the ambition front. That's true. That's Miami. Say.
1: So I think we have more ambitious. Yeah, there's the more, more ambitious, ambitious side. clubs.
2: Now, are, how many of those ambitious clubs that we just named, the, the six, mm-hmm. sit on product strategy? At LA Galaxy yeah. did with Chris Klein. LFC had a non voting membership, from what mm-hmm. I understand.
1: We didn't put NYCFC in that mix, but they're I, pretty I, ambitious. Yeah,
2: they're pretty ambitious, but I don't I don't know if I put them up there with those six. No, I,
1: but but they're on product strategies.
2: So. Atlanta has a not had a non voting with Darren Eels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just the one permanent. And on the non non ambitious, Vancouver is on mm-hmm. it. Um That's it. That's it. We didn't mention Dallas because Dallas, they they try with their academy.
1: Yeah, they're. I mean, they're not the least ambitious organization in the league. They're not, certainly not the most, but you know, I would say they're closer to least than most.
2: But you know, what? I, I, this made me happy. This made me happy that are are we kept expanding our most ambitious teams, and and there's not as many least. The same,
1: Paul. Sometimes you got to think about things. Makes me happy. Makes me happy.
2: Okay? I'm I'm happy to see it. Now maybe those, maybe those those they should become the the power six, like like college football the was power six, and they should <laughs> change. MLS, the power six in the group of five, right? That's what it was? We need the BCS in MLS. We, we absolutely need the BCS. I and mean, well, I'm in charge of doing the BCS ranking. I am the computer.
1: <laughs> All right. Goodbye, Mr. Computer. Thanks for listening to Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam. He's Paul. This edition has been brought to you by the Sagarin ranking. Thanks for listening.